This is the Bible in one year, day 70. Total forgiveness. Bishop Sandy Miller speaks of a time when he was walking along the beach and he noticed how the sand had been churned up by the footprints of those who'd gone before him. The next morning, the footprints were all wiped away by the sea. He sensed Jesus saying to him, This is a picture of forgiveness. Or to use another analogy, forgiveness from Jesus Christ is like deleting the file of all the bad stuff in our lives. Forgiveness is never easy. We all know how hard it is to forgive others. However, we often assume that forgiveness from God is almost automatic. On her deathbed, the Empress Catherine the Great of Russia said, I shall be an autocrat. That's my trade. The good Lord will forgive me. That's his. In the passages for today, we see the very high cost and huge blessing of God's forgiveness. As P.T. Forsyth pointed out, first, you have to know the despair of guilt. Then you can appreciate the breathless wonder of forgiveness. From Psalm 32 Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord, and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Experience the relief of forgiveness. Do you ever find it difficult to forgive other people, or even to forgive yourself for something you've done? The key to forgiving others and yourself is knowing how much God has forgiven you. Forgiven people forgive. As C.S. Lewis pointed out, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. As far as forgiving yourself is concerned, he wrote, if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it's almost like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. Through Jesus, God has made total forgiveness available to you and me. In this psalm, we see the huge difference that God's forgiveness makes. First, release 
from the hand of judgment. David describes the spiritual agony of not being forgiven. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Second, transparency with God. The route to forgiveness is simply to come to the Lord with no mask or pretense. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Third, a fresh start. David describes the enormous blessing of knowing you're forgiven. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Imagine that in our diaries were recorded not just our engagements and meetings, but also all our sins. The first two verses of this psalm give us three pictures of what God does with your sins. First, the Lord does not count your sins against you. He acts as though they do not exist. Second, they are covered. It's as if God gets out his heavenly eraser and rubs out the sinful entries in your records, your slates wiped clean. Third, they are forgiven. Literally, that word means removed or taken away. The pages relating to your sins are ripped out and destroyed. You get a fresh start. The Apostle Paul quotes this psalm as evidence that through the death of Jesus for you, God credits you with righteousness by faith, and that forgiveness is not something you can earn by good works. Through the cross, God restores you to a right relationship with Him. Therefore, you can pray to Him. He becomes your hiding place. He protects you from trouble. He guides you, and His unfailing love surrounds you. This is not earned by good works. It comes to the person who trusts in Him by faith. Proper understanding of the Old Testament shows that the path to forgiveness is repentance and faith. Forgiveness is not a reason to sin. It's an incentive not to sin. We want to stay on God's paths. He promises that he will guide you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. He does not want you to be difficult to guide like a horse or a mule that must be controlled by bit and bridle. He wants you to avoid the pain of resisting the Holy Spirit. Follow the promptings of God's Spirit. He wants you to hear His voice daily, listen to His instruction, walk in His ways, and trust in His love. Lord, thank You that You died for me on the cross so that I can know the relief of forgiveness. I'm sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. New Testament from Mark 15 At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, 
He's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. Thank Jesus for paying the price of forgiveness. Take time today to thank Jesus for dying for you. Jesus paid a very high price for our forgiveness. Forgiveness is not easy, but Jesus made it possible. First, Jesus did die on the cross for you. Sometimes people suggest that Jesus did not really die on the cross, but recovered in the cool of the tomb. However, Pilate checked that he was indeed already dead. The centurion, who had overseen the crucifixion, confirmed that Jesus was actually dead. Roman soldiers were experts at carrying out crucifixions. The centurion would also have faced severe punishment himself if he'd let a living prisoner go. Joseph of Arimathea took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Joseph would have noticed if Jesus was still alive and breathing. He would not have buried a living Jesus. Second, Jesus was God-forsaken because of our sins. Darkness came over the whole land. Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Mark retains the original Aramaic words of Jesus, which mean, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As we've seen, this is a quote from Psalm 22, which ends with a great victory. Third, Jesus opened the way for forgiveness and entry into the presence of God. The curtain of the temple, which was what separated people from the presence of God, was torn into supernaturally by God from top to bottom. It was 60 feet high and at least one inch thick. The fact that it was torn from the top down, where humans could not reach it, emphasizes that it was God who caused it to be torn. This symbolized the fact that through the death of Jesus, you are given access to God because your sins are forgiven. God credits you with righteousness. 
and allows you and me the immense privilege of an intimate relationship with him. Lord Jesus, thank you that you loved me and gave yourself for me. Thank you that I can now enter the presence of God with boldness and confidence in your name. Old Testament from Leviticus 23 and 24 The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed festivals, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the fourteenth day of the first month. On the fifteenth day of that month, the Lord's festival of unleavened bread begins. For seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day hold a sacred assembly and do not do any of your ordinary work. For seven days present a food offering to the Lord, and on the seventh day hold a sacred assembly, and do not do any of your ordinary work. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I am going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord, so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord, a lamb a year old without defect, together with its grain offering of one-fifth of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil, a food offering presented to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering of a quarter of a hin of wine. You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count seven full weeks. Count fifty days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of one-fifth of an ephah of the finest flour, baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. Present with this bread seven male lambs, each a year old and without defect, one young bull and two rams. They will be a burnt offering to the Lord, together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Then sacrifice one male goat for a sin offering and two lambs, each a year old, for a fellowship offering. The priest is to wave the two lambs before the Lord as a wave offering, together with the bread of the first fruits. They are a sacred offering to the Lord for the priest. On that same day, you are to proclaim a sacred assembly and not do any ordinary work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come 
wherever you live. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do not do any of your ordinary work, but present a food offering to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, The tenth day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day, because it is the day of atonement, when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. I will destroy from among their people anyone who does any work on that day. You shall do no work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. It is a day of Sabbath rest for you, and you must deny yourselves. From the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening, you are to observe your Sabbath. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the Lord's festival of tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do not do any of your ordinary work. For seven days present food offerings to the Lord, and on the eighth day hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to the Lord. It is the closing special assembly. Do not do any of your ordinary work. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord, the burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbaths and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. So, beginning with the fifteenth day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of Sabbath rest, and the eighth day also is a day of Sabbath rest. On the first day you are to take branches from luxuriant trees, from palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters, so that your descendants will know that I made the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses announced to the Israelites the appointed festivals of the Lord. Leviticus chapter 24 
The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light, so that the lamps may be kept burning continually. Outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant Law in the Tent of Meeting, Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. The lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord must be tended continually. Take the finest flour and bake twelve loaves of bread using one-fifth of an ephah for each loaf. Arrange them in two piles, six in each pile, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. By each pile put some pure incense as a memorial portion to represent the bread and to be a food offering presented to the Lord. This bread is to be set out before the Lord regularly, Sabbath after Sabbath, on behalf of the Israelites as a lasting covenant. It belongs to Aaron and his sons, who are to eat it in the sanctuary area because it is a most holy part of their perpetual share of the food offerings presented to the Lord. Now the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father went out among the Israelites and a fight broke out in the camp between him and an Israelite. The son of the Israelite woman used the name blasphemously with a curse, so they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shalomith, the daughter of Dibri the Danite. They put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head, and the entire assembly is to stone him. Say to the Israelites, Anyone who curses their God will be held responsible. Anyone who uses the name of the Lord blasphemously is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them, whether foreigner or native-born. When they use the name blasphemously, they are to be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of a human being is to be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of someone's animal must make restitution, life for life. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. Whoever kills an animal must make restitution, but whoever kills a human being is to be put to death. You are to have the same law for the foreigner and the native-born. I am the Lord your God. Then Moses spoke to the Israelites, and they took the blasphemer outside the camp and stoned him. The Israelites did as the Lord commanded Moses. Understand that forgiveness is earned not by us, but for us. We see in the Old Testament how seriously sin is taken. It's not a trivial matter, and forgiveness is not to be taken for granted. Justice required an equivalence, life for life. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. This was never intended for personal relationships, but for the law courts to prevent escalating violence. It showed the need of the appropriateness of a penalty for sin. Incidentally, it was under this law of blasphemy that Jesus himself was condemned to death, as we saw in Mark 14. 
verse 64. Again, we see Jesus' death foreshadowed. Forgiveness of sins requires sacrifice. It requires a lamb. The lamb must be perfect, without defect. St. Paul describes Jesus as our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed. Forgiveness cannot be earned. On the Day of Atonement, atonement is made for you. It was not made by you, but for you. This is the radical and revolutionary teaching of the whole Bible. When you understand how forgiveness is made possible through Jesus, it takes your breath away and it totally transforms your life. And when you know that you have received total forgiveness from God, you have to forgive others and you have to forgive yourself. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've set me free from all these Old Testament laws Thank you that you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you that you've made atonement for me. Thank you for the breathless wonder of your forgiveness that transforms my life and eternity. Pippa adds, At such a crucial moment in history when Jesus was defeating the powers of darkness, all his disciples and many followers deserted him. But the women were there at the cross. What bravery and loyalty. In a culture where women seemed almost ignored, Jesus empowered them. As it says in Mark 15 verse 41, many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Women who are empowered by Jesus, united together, can change the world.